What's up guys? So we have a very special announcement today. Next Thursday, October 24th, we will be in New York City for a live event in partnership with Sony called Creative Space, the content creators playground. It's a free event for all creatives. Yes, you are all invited. Creative Space NYC is a place where you can think, play, and create limitlessly. It exists as a launch pad for your creativity, a place to learn about the tools and tricks you need to go out and share your perspective. We'll have multiple events all beginning at 9 a.m. on Thursday. Everyone that arrives will receive a raffle ticket for a chance to win a brand new Sony A7R 4 That's right. We are giving away a Sony A7R 4 Guys, these are going to be great odds. Come win an epic camera. The first 75 people will receive free AOV shirts. We have custom shooting stations, meaning you guys can come rent amazing gear for free, shoot awesome sets with models, or have your own photo taken. This event will also feature a live gallery event featuring Chris Burkhardt, Lewis Cole, Ashley Brem, and Rachel Ross. Photo walks hosted by the Tech Creative and Mike Myers. Ping pong and cornhole for networking that's not boring. And to top it all off, we'll have a panel talk on how to build a strong personal brand featuring David Rock, a.k.a. D-Rock, who is the man behind the Gary V content machine, as well as epic New York City-based photographer Dave Krugman and one of my personal favorites, Ashley Bram, a.k.a. Ashley in Wonderland. If you're near the New York City area, then be sure to RSVP for this free event using the link in our bio on Instagram by searching at Art of Visuals. We'll see you next week in New York City. What's going on, world? It's your boy Prince here with another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. Today's guest is Dane Isaac. He's a commercial portrait and street photographer who focuses on the usage of light and storytelling. Being born in a small island of Grenada, he was inspired by photo storytelling through National Geographic magazines at a very young age. Being that these were the only photo books he had access to, this was a huge catalyst into what type of photography he chose to pursue. Dane, my dude, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. What's going on, everybody? My pleasure, my man. So for those of you that don't know, I had the pleasure uh, to meet Dane in person a few months ago back at a the Sony Alpha 4 launch, right, in New York? Was that the first time? Yeah. Yeah, so the A7R 4 launch. And then yeah, it was got, the first time in New York. Yep, yep. And then we got to kick it down at, at Kando. Just last month or two months ago, dude, my time frames are just, I, I feel like I got so much going on all the time. But anywho, sometime this summer, we were kicking it down at Kando, and it's really good to catch up with you, man. Why don't you start us off by letting the AOV community know a little bit more background on yourself? All right, man. Well, just to kind of clarify when we were kicking it, it was in August. <laughs> it was just uh, a few weeks ago. But um Hey man, like I have an interesting background. Some may say I grew up in a small island in the Caribbean called Grenada. Moved here actually to New York before I actually dive into the whole Grenada thing. Moved here to New York to study architecture to give you a little background on like my creative journey or history. But Grenada, man, we kind of like chopped it up a little before this. And I was trying to tell you just it's growing up on an island surrounded by water. <laughs> where you can see the water 20 minutes drive anywhere. You know the world's way bigger than that, man, but you're so into that little space, and that seems so huge to you because that's your entire world and universe right there. And it's an interesting concept. That affects how you think, how you navigate, how you look at your opportunities, 
you don't really see much. You know, it's it's the kind of same thing. It's calming, and everyone loves island life because it's it's the best life. You know, it's, it's very chill. You go there to vacation and and so much more. But for opportunities, I think for me as a creative, it it actually challenged me more as a creative than anything. Um, where I feel I felt like I had to venture out to really express myself. Dude, I love that. I I feel like there you must have so many unique stories and experiences. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to grow up on such a small island, but I could definitely be down with simpler uh, days. That sounds fantastic. It's a balance of two, man. You know, I feel I I move from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I live in New York, so I long and long and long for simpler days sometimes where it's like common or quiet. You know, you just have nothing to do. Yep. I, I feel like for me personally, I enjoy calm but i need just enough chaos i do love i love me some chaos i, I feel that man and it's, just, it's like <laughs> I, the proper it's like you gotta have that you just everyone has their their balance you know on that they, they know their number yeah absolutely i think that's one thing i'm learning now i'm le- i'm trying to learn that balance where i don't burn out because i love the chaos too but i've had days especially this year i've been so busy where i felt like i've been burning out and it's like ah oh, i just want to get away sometimes Dude. and see and that's difficult yeah, uh, New York's a, a hard place to, to just get away sometimes. But with that said, photography, I'm curious how, so obviously you moved to New York for architecture. How did you get into photography? Well, I actually always wanted to do photography when I was a kid. Um, it always fascinated me. I just couldn't um, convince my my parents to buy me camera gear. It was just too expensive and I didn't have the money to drop thousands of dollars in something that they didn't see as benefit fitting to <laughs> a career or helping them personally, you know, as because we had like disposable cameras every so often, but I I grew up in the, the time where digital just came out. So, but it was expensive, you know, even just like the compact cameras were just a couple hundred dollars to even get. So I got my hands on a few, like when I was younger, I had my hands, one of my uncles, God bless his soul, he passed away, but I got his his camera when he did. And that was the first time I actually got to physically practice. I used to always just think about it because I used to, um, as you mentioned in the intro, I just used to dive into these Nat Geo magazines and like, damn, like very fascinated how I did read the articles, but you can tell it's someone's entire story from one photo. And I was like, I want to tell a story like that because I was really into stories when I was younger. I used to read a lot of books, but when I got into visuals and photography, I kind of just strayed away from that a little bit. Um, it was just so fascinating to me, like how people can simplify something in one frame. But long story short, I got into photography. I was like, I need, I'm here. I moved to America. I moved to New York. This is a land of opportunities. I always wanted to do this. Let me spend my first few hundred dollars and buy myself my camera. Like I'm in between jobs right now. I'm searching for actual work off my internship. I was doing a bunch of random freelance architecture stuff. And I was like, during that free time, I can just walk around and take photos. So that's what I did. That's fantastic. So uh, what was the catalyst then? So when did it go from having fun and just walking around and taking photos to 
replacing your career as an architect and, and becoming a professional commercial portrait and street photographer? Well, that's a good question. But actually, to correct that, I still do both. Oh, but I'll get to that yeah, makes me yeah. happy. That makes me super excited because I'm world. super. But I work more as a consultant now. Yeah, I work more as a consultant now on the on the design sales side. So it's it's still very it's hands off, but it's like more a project managing type of role. Um, so I don't actually get to design and be as hands on when it comes to like the plans and drawings as I used to be. But I'm still in the field, just so everyone knows. So what does but that as look like? busy <laughs> it's very time consuming but it's fun it gives me it gives me a an a side that i a, a skill that i didn't have i get to develop the skill of talking to people meeting with a lot of architects and designers across the city helping them with a few of their projects along the way from whether it be just specifying stuff or sitting down with the entire design package and figuring out what items would work best in certain spaces Gotcha. So you're also doing, so it sounds like there's some interior design in there as well. I work with primarily interior designers. Um, primarily. I knew I liked you for a reason, you know? <laughs> I, so, so check this out. I have been, I started doing CAD in like seventh, eighth grade. Um, okay. And then when I got into college, my first major for two years was interior design. Interesting. Yeah. And I love architecture. I love interior design. I love CAD. Um, kind of like your story with your family, they, no one really around me thought that I could make money as an interior designer or doing creative things. And so I ended up going, uh, switching over to a finance degree, but I love that you're involved in interior design and architecture. Like, I feel like you have my, my dream life, dude. I'm moving that no, way though. I'm getting, I'm going to make my way back into that space at some point. Hey man, let's talk about it. You know, like I love to sit down, like, and just dive into that world because growing up, you know, I know we're bouncing back and forth, just like with like little history trips. But all my uncles growing up were contractors and carpenters, and there's a few of them actually went on to become engineers. So my entire family was into building. So simultaneously, my first two loves was building and developing and photography. So career-wise, I always saw myself going within that realm. I didn't know if I wanted to be a straight designer, architect, or engineer. The first choice was engineer because, I, you know, the options, especially when everyone puts things in your head, it's like make more money. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the first choice. But naturally, I just couldn't do it because I wanted to be a designer or artist. So I didn't want to like, I love the numbers and the science behind it, but I was just like, no, I kind of just want to be an artist. So that's kind of how I got into architecture because it was something that I can be artists, but I also make money in the eyes of my parents. It was a really interesting. That's such a cool, that's a cool lifestyle though. I, uh, I'm super, I'm super stoked for you. Uh, I'm curious what, so out of all the different genres of photography you could have gotten in to what is it that you, what drew you into commercial portraits and what do you love about commercial portraits? I love people, man. It is just people. I, my goal as a photographer 
which I still am developing and struggling with, not necessarily struggling with, but it's figuring out today is just the type of stories I want to tell. And I feel like I started off as a street photographer where I walk around and, and just watch people's stories as a whole interact. But sometimes I always wanted to pull them on the side and be like, hey, like, let me talk to you through taking your portrait. And that whole science to me, getting to sit down and, and talk to someone who's still taking photos is, is beautiful. So how do you approach, so when you're sitting with someone, you're talking about these conversations, how do you approach doing one of your commercial portrait shoots? Like, what does that process look like? I'll, I'll give you two answers, because uh, it's, it's slightly different just on the creative side, if it's something personal, and it's different if I'm on an actual commercial shoot. So on a commercial side, I try to just ask a few questions, just see where they're from, feel them out, feel the energy. And from there, if there's not a concept or is a rough concept or a draft, I get a feel of how who this person is and I can start the photos from there. Often they ask like, hey, what do you want me to do? And my answer is always, do show me how you feel right now. Mm. And then we take it and we take it from there. Show me how you feel right now, bro. I love that. I have, that's a, that's, that's one I haven't heard yet. Um, but such a great way. I feel like to break the ice and, 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 and to come into sync with your subject. No, absolutely. Um, it's difficult to, I don't want to, I want to tell people's true stories, even if we have to, even if it's just a mood in the moment, I just want to tell that story. So going back, I was going to say two answers, but going back to how I do it on the personal side, I get to spend more time asking questions. And one of the, dif- the difficult things I, I run into all the time is I will come up with a concept for somebody from a brief conversation and then through the photo shoot itself, learn more about them and struggle with what, which part of them I want to show right now through these photos. Mm. And that's tough. Yeah. No, I could, I could definitely see that. What about your street photography? How do you approach, how do you approach that versus your commercial photography? Street photography, which I haven't really done much in, in recent times, but I used to just go out and find an interesting corner where I would like to see how people interact with this space, mm. you know? So through, and I think it was a lot to do with how my understanding for architecture I would love to see how people communicate with different spaces versus just going out and just capturing, walking behind people. So I would get obsessed with going to one space and multiple times throughout the day to see how it changes. And sometimes I take photos and sometimes I just watch because it's very fascinating to me. Cause I think one of the, going back to the whole architecture standpoint, my biggest focus through architecture was urban design and how architecture helps or controls a a space. So we can control people's behavior by designing things properly. So there's a big responsibility on how people's moods, how they interact with things. I think through design, proper design, it also helps how we communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. So, I still want to capture that. I don't even think I'd, 
in my, I don't even think in my own head, and it's me being part of myself, but I don't even think I even captured it in ways I wanted to in the past. But that was my fascination with street photography. So it was more less, it was less about the individual person, but more in how the people in that space on a whole. Right. I love that. Have you ever noticed anything specific? Like when you're out doing, let's just call it your R and D in your, your, you're camping out at a scene and you're just observing the scene throughout the day. Do you notice differences in people's tendencies based on the time of day, like sunrise, midday, sunset, like the vibe? Oh yeah. Well, you see different, you see different walks of people and it also changes by the day. So you see different walks of people throughout the day. So for example, on a Monday, if you go out for sunrise, you would see joggers, you know, you would see joggers very early in the morning. And then right after that, you would see the bunch of people that are rushing to work. Then right after that, you see the early morning tourists, the people that are trying to see enough things as fast as possible because they only have a few days or hours in this in the city. And then from there, you might see a few people just straggling along, just just no rushing. And we live in New. York, I live in New York City, so like I see people rushing all the time. And you see people come out that has they probably don't have an agenda, right? You know, they just they're just walking by. So you and then. I think after, like, even after work, if you even just put it in that perspective, you see people coming out of work, then you see people, like, probably going to a space, probably getting a drink, and people sitting in the parks. It's so, the vibe and how people treat spaces change throughout the day as everything, you know? Like, our bodies don't function the same in the morning as it functions at sunset. It is not supposed to. That's super interesting. I uh, I got to experience some of that stuff living downtown and, and just people watching. And it's cool. I like the way that you go about scouting out these locations and just really feeling the space out and, and getting to know the space and observing the space before photographing the space sometimes. I think that's really neat. But that, all that said, what are three tips you would give to like a beginner if your little brother or sister came up to you and said, hey, I want to get into commercial portrait photography what are three tips you would would share with them don't be weird (laughs) (laughs) study light and any any resources on light any any recommendations or books or anything um i don't have books on top of my head but i would always tell people use youtube for your your biggest tool like you have the internet now i think everything is at our fingertips i was saying just use the internet honestly it's right there. And I, I take it for, I feel like I abuse it because I don't have to remember most things, but just use the internet. It, everything is right at our fingertips. We have no excuse to not be great. Facts. <laughs> what about, what about, <laughs> uh, dude, it's so true. It's like it, all the information's right there. Um, what about tips for, uh, street photography? Be patient. It's a patient game. Uh, don't, because I, I mean, this is probably something I'm telling myself, but don't go out chasing an image you've seen in a book. That's why you know, go and actually experience. Yeah, go and actually experience the space and tell your own story of it. I'm gonna go and experience this. Like you got me thinking differently about spaces, and so I'm excited after this call to uh, to go out and check out and experience some some spaces before photographing it. It it's it's. 
<laughs> it's a different vibe, man. It just, just, and last tip, by the way, going back to light mm-hmm. what, and experiencing the space it goes hand in hand, but pay attention to the light in the space because that would make and break your photos sometimes. Mm, that's a fact. Light is everything. It's so fact. I'm like, I, I turn into a five-year-old kid when it comes to light just because of how different you look based on light. Like you can play, you can literally, if you put a mirror and and have some lights set up, you will look 10 different ways depending on the lighting setup. And it's so fascinating. Facts, bro. It's what story are you trying to tell? And, and even in a simple way, man, like I tell people like the quickest trick to just show people like light things. When I did a few workshops, you just take a, if you just take a light, like from your phone, a flash or whatever, and you just rotate it around your face and watch how you fear someone's face changes based on that. They're not doing any different expressions. Just watch how their face changes. And if you don't think light is important to your photos, you're being very naive. Yes. Yes, indeed. What about gear wise? What are you shooting on these days? So I know you're part of the Sony Alpha Collective, which is really awesome. So I imagine you're shooting on a Sony camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your setup? What's your what's your go to setup? My go to setup for right now, right now, this moment because I just got the fifty Zeiss one four. Mm. Um, so I have that on my A seven R three, and that's like my go to. But I rotate between that, the 3514 from also from Zeiss, and 85G Master. Those are like my three main lenses. And I have a 16 to 35 when I'm doing like fashion stuff and I really want to get funky. Ooh. So why why okay, let's talk about that funkiness real quick. Why might you use a 16 to 35, a wide angle lens in fashion to get funky? what might be a good use case for that? Drama, man. I love shooting at 16 sometimes because you can get to accentuate certain parts of the body when it falls off the the main uh, sphere of the lens. Mm-hmm. But so I just, I just, just use it to your advantage. Like for example, I, off the top of my head, I can see if some interesting pants we can make and we elongate the legs through the photo. It can get very funny. And it also too, I think it allows for more movement. So I, I welcome it. So I have, I have models or subjects in, entirely just like move in front of the lens, so they can feel more comfortable versus taking a straight up portrait. So like their body movements can get more free. Gotcha, a little more fluid. Yeah. Mm. Dude, I'm into that. I uh, I love I love playing with wide angle lenses and portraits for that same reason because. Uh, they get very dramatic. You can make the legs very long, make them look very big, very powerful. Uh, yeah, man. It's, it's so many ways you can take it. And and my better question is why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just get fun. So how do you stay, how do you stay so creative? You like go through your feed on Instagram and you can tell you're not, you're not recycling. You know, there's certain photographers that, you know, they take great images, but you look at their feed and it's almost like the same exact composition with a different background over and over and over. Uh, and your feed is so creative. Um, and I can tell, especially as of lately, I can tell you've been, you know, starting to experiment a lot more. How do you stay creative, man? 
But it goes back to that same process. I think the process of just trying to get to know somebody, it's so many different stories out there. I can't really tell. I don't think there's much people with the same story. So if you think about it like that, it's kind of hard to duplicate the same thing over and over because I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to go out and take a photo I took last week. I'm just trying to go out and take, I'm trying to tell stories. I'm not trying to recreate photos. And there's so many pieces you could put towards that where if I sit down and talk to you for an hour and I pull pieces of our conversation, I'm like, well, I want to, I want to show this. And it could be a mood. It could be a color. It can be a hairstyle. It could be whatever we talked about. And I put that in a photo. I don't think anyone is like you. So. Mm. What about your, I look at your feed too, and you, you have this epic live, these epic live photography shots. What is, what is that process like? Shooting live photography has is, is got to be way different than anything else. You have s- such little control over the environment. Yeah, man. Greatest live photographer of all time or anything. But that one too is a lot of, you have to get in there. And you, you have to, most of these live shows, you only get to shoot for the first three songs anyway. Um, so a lot of it is driven by the artists themselves. And getting to know, I think one of the things I've started to do is kind of just like studying that artist, if I can. Because I think for like the artists, I kind of figure out what they would do, what their movements are on stage, even just like how the stages are lit. Um, again, but studying the light, their movement, the crowd, your actual setting in span. Because like you're in a pit sometimes with like 30 people mm-hmm. and you probably have to hold down one corner if you can't move. So you have to also make sure you choose the right spot because now the artist spent the next the last 20 minutes across the stage from you and you, you have the wrong lens, you have the wrong spot and you're just stuck there. So it's, it's tricky. It's like less of your, less in your control. I, I think it's a bit of luck and being in the right place at the right time, but mm-hmm. also you can also prepare better for that. You know, like you could prepare to get the shot, make sure you have the right gear, make sure you're in the right spot at the right time mm. but you never really know it's it's interesting sometimes you go and shoot a set and it's like the light was horrible yeah you have to make it work the the artists pro- and also these artists are also humans that have feelings like what if they're just not feeling it that day yep what do you want to do and sometimes they are feeling it and that's the best is when they're feeling it and they even play to your camera yeah you know, and, and, and sometimes that's that's when some magic can happen is when you just catch them on a great day and they decide to show you a little love and <laughs> give you a little play. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But most, I feel like most of these artists, I don't, I don't know. I think sometimes they don't even think about that. They just come out and they just do their thing and they get off stage. But I think it would be great if they all just like did want to get, I saw one of my friends tweet this recently. I forgot who it was. So I can't credit them, but it would be great if, all the artists that perform actually did look into all the cameras or actually look out for the photographers down below. Cause now they get fire images and now we get fire images. Yep. So win, win for both teams. I mean, if I was the artist, that's what I would think about. No, most definitely. I, what, what, live, go ahead. What is it? What else do you love about live photography? It's also the experience too. It's kind of cool, right? To like be, 
real time and something that's happening that's fun and and you're listening to music and you're getting i imagine it's it's, it's got to be exciting you probably get to combine quite a few passions into one no absolutely i'm 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 a big music head and getting to see your favorite artists live up close and you also get to contribute to that legacy of them uh it's a whole different experience it's actually quite humbling too um because sometimes we we sit behind the screen and we just watch these people we've watched these people for so long and then sometimes you actually get to be in the same space and for me i've actually got to talk to a few artists just randomly in the back like in the back of house or behind the stage right before they go on stage and most of them are really cool man and you get to also realize you're also human and you get to capture that mm-hmm. and i think that's the the crazy thing about all of it you know Yep. How do you uh, how do you find inspiration in a world, especially on Instagram, in a world that seems like there's so much, it's so easy to get caught in pockets of seeing just the same thing all the time? How do you how do you stay inspired and find inspiration? It's a little bit, and I will keep revisiting this. I think I it's just the people, man. I get inspired by everyday everyday things, everyday conversations, people in my life, the people I interact with, seeing how people interact during my commute, the train, listening to people's everyday problems in the world and trying to figure out how to talk about them, even if it's very minuscule through my photos, listening to myself sometimes, the things that I think are important to me in my life, what the things I deem very, very important. Just having a conversation, sitting in silence for a second and hearing things you probably don't hear because you're just so busy working or moving around but i think just listening man versus just trying to feed yeah i was gonna say how how much i'm always do i'm curious i asked a kid once and he's like told me like 12 13 hours a day on instagram so i'm i'm super curious well now 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 they have that like activity thing yeah mine says says 24 minutes yo good 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 job (laughs) (laughs) i was nervous i was opening like Dude, that's that's been horrible. That's healthy. Yeah, do you feel? Do you? Let me ask you this: Did you ever have a time? I feel like everyone did, but did you ever have a time like when you were on there a lot, way more than you should have been? Oh, absolutely. What is? What's the difference that you notice mentally? How you feel? You know, from being on there all the time to rarely for only to only spending twenty four minutes a day now. I feel that I'm more willing to listen to people, and that's a really random connection, but. I feel like also we get burnt out from social media and we just try to consume, consume, consume so much. And I already live in New York City. And even with my job day to day, I have to meet and greet so many people. So my interactions are all time high in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I want to use my moments of silence to, to be on Instagram. Yep. Nope. I love it, yeah. man. That's I think. And it's tough as an artist. It's, inspiration comes from like deep emotions and within and, and people's stories. And, and oftentimes not to say you can't get inspiration from looking at other great art, but sometimes I feel like that's the, uh, oftentimes people feel like that's the only way to seek inspiration is to sit on Instagram and, and look through photos all day. And I, I think there's just so many other ways to get inspired. That yeah, are more bro, productive. Absolutely. I think it's kind of tough to get inspired by 
photos if you're a photographer because now I feel like that's even closer in the pocket of just copying what someone else did, mm-hmm. you know. And I think getting inspiration from other things is probably healthier. You know, it's probably easier to even figure out what you're inspired by, you know, because that's an actual story versus like I saw someone take this photo that inspired me to take the same photo. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, it's not that fulfilling. It's funny because I, I you know, I, I speak to so many photographers and the people that are creating from within are a lot more fulfilled and, and happy with their creative lives and their professions than the people that might even ex- be experiencing more success. Yeah. But they're, but inside they're very empty because the success is coming. It's not fulfilling when they know that they didn't, they're not really doing anything original. They're just kind of doing this thing that works. I guess it's kind of like making pop music. It's like, yeah, it's, it's fine, but it's not, it's not like the deep, the deep stuff that people don't really want to listen to. Like that's what lights my soul on fire sometimes, you know? Yeah, man. I'm trying to be an underground rapper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So a guy like you, you have such a strong vision for your art. I'm curious, is that something you learned or were you just kind of born that way? I would, I would be lying to say, I was born this way only, you know, I'm not trying to sound like I came out of the womb, just <laughs> spitting, spitting fire. <laughs> little Charizard. Little... <laughs> no, I think, I think, uh, I think I learned and I don't want to take away from anyone that does come out as a Charizard, but I think I definitely like learned a lot. Bro, what are, you baking? Think... What are you baking cookies? You burning, you burning, <laughs> you burning something? <laughs> Bro, that's outside. <laughs> New York. <laughs> that's that's outside. I didn't even know you could hear that. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, bro, let the, open a window and let the don't let the cookies cool down. <laughs> oh no, bro, that's that's such a far <laughs> distance sound. <laughs> that's funny. The fact that you could pick that up is hilarious. But no, bro, like to the people that are born with natural the natural flame, kudos to them. Um, but I definitely think I, I definitely have, I, this was wired into me in some way, but this is all my experiences as a person coming out on one through my work right now. And I think because of all these experiences, who I am, where I was from, the, the things I experienced there, the things I experienced here after moving, the people I've met, all these things accumulated into who I, it made me who I am, and it also made my brain think the way it does. Gotcha. So, outside of photography, and I shouldn't say outside of photography, but within photography and your architecture, how are you making your money? Like, what's that split look like? And is it mostly coming from like commercial stuff? Is it coming from influencer activations? Uh, what's that part of your business life look like? That is a very interesting question. Primarily, my split is probably currently still because I do pretty well for myself within the architecture world. So it's not even a fair split. (laughs) (laughs) So it's more like 70-30 at this point where I took a step back. And all these questions you're asking is very interesting because I took a step back from photography this year to rebrand myself. So... I noticed that I, even for me, I was doing things that I didn't, I kind of outgrew like the stories I wanted to tell in photography. I felt it became stale even on my, in my page. So 
this year is pretty much rebuilding my portfolio from a creative side and reaching out to people I actually do want to work with through brands I really want to work with. And simultaneously, jobs have been coming in that I would say yes to that kind of, I've been saying way more to way more jobs this year because I'm okay on the architecture side. Mm-hmm. So I can focus on the creative things that I do want to push my photography into. Really? So I don't even necessarily wake up thinking that I need to make money through photography right now. I think in my headspace is primarily like, hey, I can focus on being creative. That loads, and let's see where it goes. That lights my soul on fire. Just hearing that you're financially good with you with something that you still love to do. Yeah. And then so when it comes to photography, it's like, dude, you just get to have genuine fun, take genuine opportunities, have a good time, say no to things you don't want to do, say things, say yes to things that you do want to do. And that's that's so exciting. And I, I see so many people that oftentimes will be in your situation and, and they'll leave the good job, like the consulting, to try to make it work with photography. And it's sad and they, they have like a really tough struggle. Not to say that you can't make it work. You can most definitely make it work. But oftentimes I don't think people spend enough time understanding what they really want before they make a, a change like that, a life change like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not easy. And sometimes people burn out. They, they make the photography a passion, their job, and then they don't enjoy it as much anymore because they're always working and it's not the same as it was when they were getting paid to do something else and the photography was just the passion. Yeah, I did that in 2016, I think. That year, I probably went full, 16 or 17, I don't remember now, but I went full photography and I was just, because I wanted to pay the bills, I was saying yes to everything, every opportunity I rolled around. I was putting myself out there. I used service apps like Thumbtack to get extra jobs and looked on Craigslist. And I was just in pockets where I shouldn't have been as a photographer, just trying to hustle versus create. Mm-hmm. And I felt I got home at days or even when I did have to pick up my camera, I looked at it and like, this is a job. I don't like it anymore. And it's like a job I don't like doing. And one of the things that stuck with me through conversations growing up was if you if you pretty much fall in love or have a job that you love doing, the harder the shitty days are easy to overcome. But if you have a job you hate, the harder days are really hard to overcome. And you might get confused that your passion is and my passion might be photography, but at the same time, if I start hating it because I'm doing a bunch of jobs I don't actually like doing through the craft, those those harder days are hard, man. So put yourself somewhere you want to be to make the harder days easier. Put yourself somewhere you want to be to make the harder days easier. I like that. I have another question. So New York... Yeah. What is it like being like, like, so let's just use this for as an example. I, I saw that recently you guys did like a Nike campaign with Silva and just his girlfriend, Giselle and, and Steve and, and Paula. What's it like being in a, a city where you, you just have access to people brands talent and then you guys can come together like as like a powerhouse 
and like shoot a campaign together and everyone in the campaign is also like a pretty rad photographer, creator, Instagram influencer, you know, like that's a unique thing that you don't find in a lot of places, like say example, Boise, Idaho, where I'm located. Right. Well, I'll start with this. It's it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing to uh, be in a position where you can create and work with your friends, you know, the same people around you become your friends because they're all dope and they're accessible. It, it, I, New York is like no other place, man. It's so hard to even give a scenario for that because no comparing it. It's there's so many opportunities that it's not a situation where it's it's enough for everybody. What's the culture like? Like, I mean, are you guys like what's the day to day life like? Is it like you guys are just hanging out and? at noon you get a text from Steve who's like, yo, bro, you want to go do this? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to go link up with Paula and whoever, and we're going to go, you know, sometimes, kick it. <laughs> like- <laughs> so, honestly, sometimes that's, I think for me personally, it was more like that when I was full freelance. I know most of my friends right now, they, they are full freelance. So they do have that Liberty, uh-huh. but sometimes I'm bouncing around because it's like my, the multiple jobs I have. Is doing random stuff. So even when I do get a text like, hey, you want to link up? I sometimes have to say no. Um, or I'll probably link like that, which I, I do miss. But it is like that most times. We're like, hey, if you have some free time, you're doing nothing, come kick it. Let's talk. Let's chop it up. Uh, I have this event. Do you want to come? Do you want to help me with a shoot? Do you just want to go to shoot? Like all these different things do happen here because of how many of us are here and how many things there are to do in New York City. Dude, I love that. There's power in numbers. Was it always that way though? Because I know things as far as like the community as a whole, like I know there was a there was a time where the community got a little competitive within each other. Um was there that time in the city where things were a little more competitive and, and less family oriented to to compared to where they are today um that's yes and no i think because even for me immediately when i bought my camera and i started going around and shooting i met this not all at once but this amazing group of people through the through instagram through insta meets and stuff my first insta meet actually was a meet that silva had mm-hmm. which is beautiful Shout out to Jose Silva. Shout out Silva. Silva. Um, so he was like the first person. I actually had an argument with him when I met him that I didn't believe it was him. <laughs> I literally told him, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're not Jose Silva. Like, Jose Silva is famous and you're too nice for that. Um, so we had an argument over that, but that was the whole other story. Um, but I think it's always been kind of family oriented where everyone kind of just made group chats and met up with each other and shot for hours and all shared campaigns or introduced people to other people. And it, it has in a way gone very competitive, but in a friendly way. And, you know, it's, it's New York, there's competition, you know, everyone wants to be great, but it's still very family based. Like Paula texted me all the time. Like I love how you edit but I hate it because it's so good. (laughs) 
you know, like something like that, you know, but it's, it's great. It keeps the competition up and we all just compete with each other, but in a very friendly way. I love that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just something that I, I noticed from afar and it's, it's really cool. And I feel, uh, I'm really excited for anyone that's in a, in a major city to where they have access like that. And, uh, shout out to anyone from a small city too. Like, you know, there's, there's not as much of that, but I think it's important to create that creative culture. And I think it's even cooler in small cities. Oftentimes you can kind of be the person to, to bring your own local community together. No, absolutely, man. It's important. I think it's important for, even for everyone's mental health is to have a family, you yeah. know, with, within any pocket of life. Especially creatives, man. Creatives be on that roller coaster. So it's important to have, it's important to have creative friends because your normal friends don't understand. <laughs> They're just like, wait, why are you always like upset about your create your art and stuff or, you know, what's going on. And, uh, but it's nice to have a group of other creatives that genuinely understand what's going on, you know, and how you feel and all that good stuff. Absolutely, man. You, you have to, you have to find your group of people. <laughs> So, yeah, community is very important. Yes, sir. Uh, community is everything, man. And I think that goes for anyone, whether you're into creativity or basketball or whatever it may be. You know, uh, you just got to find your tribe. Yeah, I believe that 100%. Uh, so we're, 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 we're coming up on time uh, right now. So to wrap things up, we normally ask our guests to share a little bit of, uh, words of love and encouragement and motivation, inspiration for the AOV community. So whenever you feel ready, feel free to, to take the mic and just share some, some, some inspo with the community. Well, I just want everyone to, to remember this mantra from the great Kendrick Lamar, uh, love is the answer. You know, I think the one thing that sometimes we forget living in this world is that we need each other to survive. You know, if someone on the airport pissed you off, imagine if no one did that job. Everyone's having a bad day sometimes. It's just think about people's lives in a whole, just, just, just love. You can't just get for this just because you... Going back to the first thing I said about living in Grenada, sometimes you get caught up thinking that this is your world. Your world is not the only world that exists. Just pay attention to other people and love. That's it. My brother, Dane Isaac, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check him out on Instagram. It's Dane.Isaac, D-A-N-E dot I-S-A-A-C on I-G. Make sure to check out his work. Give him a follow. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast for more great episodes uh, in the future. Appreciate you guys. And uh, until next time, stay visually inspired.